A hundred years ago, no one had ever heard of a hobbit. But you would be hard-pressed today to find anyone who didn't immediately recognize this short, fictional creature with large, fuzzy feet. Yet most amazing of all is the faith behind the man who created the myth behind The Lord of the Rings. I'm Charles Morris. You're listening to The Great Stories Podcast. In a moment, you're going to hear a new interview I did with Dr. Joseph Leconte, a distinguished visiting professor at Grove City College in Pennsylvania and author of A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War, which is quite the amazing book on how World War I shaped the faith, friendship, and writings of J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Today, we're going to zero in on Tolkien, his faith, and how the stories he wrote can bring us to a unique understanding of how the Lord works in our own world. So whether you've seen or read the Lord of the Rings series, or you're currently watching Amazon's The Ring of Power, reportedly the most expensive show ever made, I believe this conversation will inspire you to seek out the powerful ways Christ shows up in unexpected places. So now, without further ado, let's meet up with Dr. Joseph Flaconti. This is Haven Today, and we are rejoined by an old friend. He's in a state of flux, although he's a distinguished visiting history professor at Grove City College, Dr. Joseph Leconti. Good to have you back on the program. And for anyone that listens to us all the time, you are the guy that wrote the bestseller, New York Times bestseller, A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. And it goes into how J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis rediscovered faith. And the subtitle is like a chapter out of the Bible. It's a long one, Joe. That's amazing. (laughs) But thank you for taking time to be back with us on the program today. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for having me. Amazon is releasing their billion-dollar TV series, The Lord of the Rings. The Rings of Power, it's called. And this may be the most ambitious and expensive TV show of all time, and it all comes out of a story by J.R.R. Tolkien about good versus evil, temptation of power, having hope when all hope is lost. Are you following this? Are you going to watch it like I am? Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely will watch it. I want to see how they treat to Tolkien's amazing story. And, you know, Charles, it's, it speaks to the power of Tolkien's imagination on the one hand, but also I think his moral rootedness, his rootedness ultimately in the, in the Christian faith that he, he's tapped into something that speaks to people across denominations, across walks of life. He speaks deeply to, I think, our, our deepest aspirations as men and women, the kind of men and women we want to be. We have lives of purpose, uh, lives of value, significance, and, and with, with, a, with a moral cause, right? Being caught up in a great cause, something other than yourself. And that's, of course, so much of what the Lord of the Rings is about, the quest to destroy the ring. Just a fascinating, fascinating story and the fact that we're still talking about it decades after it was written. You're so right. And every theme you just mentioned sounds like a Christian theme, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, something that Scripture would wrestle with, good versus evil, and, you know, the ideas that are coming out of what Tolkien wrote. We've spent a lot of time on this program talking about C.S. Lewis. We've also talked about 
less, though, about Tolkien. You want to share with us a little bit about how Tolkien not only wrote, well, he wrote many things, but The Lord of the Rings, of course, is what most of the average people like me know about. He was a follower of Jesus, and he really, more than anyone else, was responsible for bringing C.S. Lewis to faith. Well, he's certainly one of the most important players in, in Lewis's story his conversion to Christ. There's no question about it. And the remarkable conversation that they had in 1931 there at Oxford at Addison's Walk until about two in the morning, he and another guy, Hugo Dyson, they're discussing the faith with Lewis, who's an agnostic, trying to understand the meaning and the purpose of Christianity, and he can't quite get it. And what, what Tolkien does is to help Lewis to understand that what, he, what Lewis loved about the ancient myths the Greek and Roman myths, stories of a, of a god who comes to earth, the dying god, the sacrificial god, those elements that Lewis found attractive, they were in the Christian story. And the story of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, as Tolkien put it, that was the myth that became fact, the true myth. It's the myth that all the other great stories and myths, they're a, a, a shadow, an intimation mm -hmm. of the great myth. Mm -hmm. And when they have that conversation at Addison's Walk in 1931, that's the great breakthrough for Lewis, the intellectual breakthrough. And I don't know any other person on the planet at the time who could have spoken into Lewis's mind in the way that he did and have taken down, taken down that barrier to understanding the faith. Uh, Tolkien's intelligence, his own Christian faith, he spoke to Lewis in a way that I, I don't think anyone else could have at that moment. You know, that's very interesting. Anytime we have a scholar on and they refer to the great myth, I feel like we need to explain that a little bit. Yeah. Myth, truth. Yeah. You know where I'm going with that. Explain sure. the great myth in using that term. Yeah. When, when people think about myths, they think about things that are stories that are not true. But as Diana Glyer, who wrote a terrific book about Lewis Tolkien and the Inklings, Diana Glyer puts it this way, what a myth really represents is, it's the deepest values of a culture in narrative form. The deepest values of a culture in narrative form. That's what the great myths really are. So when Tolkien was referring to Christianity as a myth, he didn't mean it was false. He meant it, it's the true myth. It has this a mythic power, meaning there's a story here. It's a redemption story. Mm -hmm. And that's what he meant by myth. It's true. It's true. These other myths and stories, they have elements of the, of the truth in that they reflect the great myth, the Christian story, the myth that became fact. God becomes man. I always love hearing you explain that. Joseph, you know, since the last time we had you on the air a few years ago, who would have ever thought that, that a war would be going on in Eastern Europe right now? Some of us in our ministry were there shortly after it broke out, and it's still going on today. Wars play a central role in these stories of Tolkien and Lewis, yes. World War I, World War II. And, yes. and I guess when I was there in Eastern Europe, when the war in Ukraine broke out and we did a couple of weeks worth of broadcasting, what struck me is how even younger, not just older people, were reflecting back on the Great War and World War II. Yeah. Tolkien and Lewis both fought in World War I, yeah. maybe the deadliest battle in British history, maybe. Can you 
talk about what he experienced, what he went through. And then if you want to bring Lewis in on that too, that that would yeah. be great. Yeah. I mean, this is, has to be one of the most formative influences in Tolkien's life. Anyone who lived through the First World War, who fought in the trenches, as Tolkien did, second lieutenant, a signals officer uh, with the British Expeditionary Force in France. And he is there at the Battle of the Somme. And at the Battle of the Somme, the British lost over 19,000 men on a single day, a single mm. day. That is a, an intense, fierce concentration of killing that the British Empire had never experienced before. And even to this day, it's the bloodiest battle in British history, military history. And that's a lot of military history mm. when you think about the history of Great Britain. Mm. So Tolkien is caught up in the Battle of the Stone, and, and the, that battle went on for months. He survives it, but it's formative. Mm. And he even begins writing bits and pieces of his legendarium of Middle Earth. He begins writing bits and pieces of that while he's in the trenches mm -hmm. uh, un under shell fire. So it's a formative experience, just as it was for Lewis. Lewis is an atheist at the time. I, I think that war probably deepened his atheism, but we can get into that, uh, Charles. And how do those experiences show up in some of the characters that you find in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, wow. I mean, neither Tolkien nor Lewis could be triumphalist about war. Mm. There was a realism mm. about war. Mm. But also, I think what they saw in the trenches was incredible heroism, because Tolkien says explicitly, my Sam Gamgee, right, the, this hobbit, one of the most beloved characters in modern fiction, my Sam Gamgee is indeed a reflection of the ordinary English soldier in the trenches mm. that he fought alongside. Mm. When I read that, when I learned that about Tolkien, I thought, what? I didn't know that. I didn't know the Hobbit was based on the English soldier in a trench doing his duty. So that's what we see. We see heroism under, under fire. We see, of course, great fear and anxiety. And we also see in his various characters, what do we say? Well, it's the, it's the temptation to power, the abuse of power, the destructive ability of modern technology. That's World War I. What's going on in Ukraine right now with Russia and what the Russians are doing to the Ukrainians? Mm -hmm. And Vladimir Putin, if we could say, without being partisan in any way, this strikes many of us as this is the will to power, mm -hmm. an unprovoked mm -hmm. act of aggression against a, a neighboring state, a nation state. That's what Russia has done to Ukraine. So the will to power was something that both Tolkien and Lewis, they had a ringside seat to that, Charles, not just in the First World War. And this is really the subject of, the, of much of the documentary film series I'm working on now. It's not only the First World War, now they have to live through a Second World War. Mm -hmm. They lived through the aftermath of World War I, the 1920s and 1930s. What are we seeing in, in that period? The rise of new ideologies, communism, fascism, mm. scientism, mm. eugenics. Mm. And they've got a ringside seat to all of that in Great Britain. And now they've got to live through a Second World War beginning in 1939. Incredible. Mm. What do you make out of the life of Tolkien and then, of course, Lewis and their takeaways living in a, a rarefied academic world of Oxford? And yet they had themselves fought in the Great War and uh, yeah. I guess Lewis was injured a bit himself to even. What's the takeaways for us today? I mean, the world isn't getting yeah. any better. I mean, you know, I'm <laughs> praying more every day that Christ, please, you got to come back soon. But uh, yeah. what, what's, yeah. what's, what, what's our takeaways for the rest of us, especially those of us who are Christ followers today? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question, Charles, that I'm still 
that I'm still processing as I, as I continue to study their lives, work on this film project, writing scripts for it, uh, delving more deeply into their lives, into their literature. Think about this. Here's a great takeaway. They write their epic works, many of them, right through the Second World War. Tolkien starts writing The Lord of the Rings in 1937. In 1938, there's the Munich Pact, mm. when uh, the Western democracies trade away a portion of Czechoslovakia to Hitler for the promise of peace. And then within a matter of months, he invades the rest of Czechoslovakia, and then in it's Poland in 1939. Yes. So Tolkien is writing The Lord of the Rings right through the Second World War. Lewis gives his radio broadcasts that become mere Christianity on the BBC there right through the Second World War. Mm. The Screwtape Letters is conceived and written during the Second World War. The Space Trilogy is conceived and written during the Second World War. So what should we take away from that as, as Christians who are trying to follow Christ? Have a sense of a calling and vocation. Here's one for me. Uh, get on with your calling right now, today no matter what the circumstances are. Great Britain is hanging by a thread. They don't know if their own country is gonna survive. They don't know if Western civilization is gonna survive, Charles, and what do they do? Mm -hmm. They get on with their callings as academics, as teachers, as tutors, and as writers of great epic fiction. They just get on with it, and they do it in community. That's the other great takeaway for me. The friendship between Tolkien and Lewis has to be one of the most important friendships of the 20th century. And then, of course, the larger circle of friends, the Inklings, who meet every week in Lewis's rooms, all Christian men, many of them war veterans from World War I, sharing their literature with each other, critiquing each other's works. Friendship, right? Friendship with a purpose. I mean, if that doesn't get us motivated and excited, then, you know, the last person out the door, turn off the lights over mm -hmm. here, because we're done. And to think... There was some spiritual fervor going on in the Great War and World War II. I remember even before uh, World War II, the King of England called for a day of prayer. He yeah. went to, I think, Westminster Abbey and led yeah. his nation in prayer, trying to yeah. save those troops at Dunkirk. Yeah. Do you think war, like what's going on in Ukraine right now, what Lewis and Tolkien went through in two wars— what impact does that have? You know, can can we yeah. find faith? Can people find faith in yeah. those in those times more easily? Well, you're asking you're asking a profoundly important spiritual question, Charles. You're asking an historian who's completely unqualified to answer it. But <laughs> let me give you a stab of an answer. All right. The stab of the answer is you take a look look at that situation there in Great Britain. The BBC, British radio, a, a secular radio station goes to C.S. Lewis, who I think had written the book, The Problem of Pain, that got the attention of an editor at the BBC. And he thought to himself, Great Britain is fighting for its survival and it needs spiritual nourishment. We need to remind the people of their Christian heritage. And he asked C.S. Lewis to defend the Christian faith on the BBC. Mm. That tells you something about that cultural moment and how war and crisis can create and stir up the sense of need and longing. There's no guarantee it's going to end well, that people are generally going to turn to Christ, but it certainly seems to open up opportunities and challenges that didn't exist before, right? Mm. Well-spoken, even if you're a history professor. <laughs> I know people are going to be watching, many of our listeners are going to be watching this new Amazon series that's coming out, but I want to encourage all of them if they never did, or maybe even read it again, it's such a good read, your book, A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and The Great War. 
in a capsule. Give give me the elevator talk on on what that book is that yeah. became a New York Times bestseller, and we have for our listeners even this week. What the story is about is to help explain how did the crucible of war affect the friendship, the lives, and the literary imagination of J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. If I had to boil it down to three words, it's this, war, friendship, and imagination. It's the crucible of war that makes possible the remarkable friendship between Lewis and Tolkien. And it's their friendship that makes possible the creation of their great imaginative works. If there had not been a C.S. Lewis in the life of J.R.R. Tolkien, he says himself, he never would have brought the Lord of the Rings to a conclusion. Mm. If there hadn't been a J.R.R. Tolkien in the life of C.S. Lewis, we don't know what his conversion story would have looked like. It would have been very different without the impact of Tolkien in his life. So war, friendship, and imagination, that's really what the book is about. Mm. Dr. Leconte, tell us a little more about Tolkien himself. But, you know, I know a lot about C.S. Lewis. I don't know so much about Tolkien. He's a fascinating guy because he was born, actually, in South Africa. Mm. His father was a bank manager in South Africa. And the family had spent a little bit of time back in Great Britain. His mom, Tolkien, his, his brother, Hillary, and his mom, there in Great Britain, getting ready to get on a boat to go rejoin their, uh, the father in South Africa. His father dies unexpectedly. Mm. They don't go back. They remain in England, and he grows up in a, uh, outside of Birmingham in a very rural, beautiful, green place that really becomes this, the, the setting in many ways for The Hobbit, that story, mm -hmm. and The Shire. So he grows up loving nature, growing up in nature. But he also becomes orphaned at a young age. His father died, of course, as I mentioned, and then his mother dies of cancer. And so he becomes orphaned, and he is then helped by a Catholic priest who kind of takes him in and exposes him to literature, really encourages his moral life and his spiritual life. And that helps set him on his way. And I think it helped keep him out of a deep darkness for Tolkien. Then uh, as he, a great turning point in his life with the help of, of this Catholic priest, Father Francis, he gets into Oxford. And that's a huge turning point in his life mm. because he has, a, he has a, a growing love of literature, storytelling, myth, and then languages as well. He discovers he has a gift for languages. Mm. Uh, he's just fascinated by the sound of them and what they mean and the cultures that they're embedded in. And he develops that gift. Uh, it's called philology. But he becomes a philologist, this expert in languages that he develops early on, right through his college years. And that will affect his whole career, his academic career. He'll become a great lover of the, of the, of the ancient story Beowulf, mm -hmm which uh, old English tale, mm -hmm. great epic tale. And he will teach, he will translate Beowulf. He will teach it as one of his major courses that he teaches at Oxford. And he will become this Oxford professor of English literature, grounded in the great, in the great classics and in medieval literature. And he and C.S. Lewis will share that love of English literature. And that'll be part of what draws them together in friendship. And then of course, then he's driven. As an adult, as a Christian, he's driven by his faith, that he wants to share his faith, not, not just with C.S. Lewis, but with others too, I'm sure. Yeah. I think if you think about The Lord of the Rings, and this will be a spoiler alert for you or for some of your listeners who haven't <laughs> uh, seen the films or read the books, but if you think about how it ends, 
how it comes to a conclusion. How does Frodo end his great quest, this quest to, to destroy the ring, Charles? When he gets to the cracks of Mount Doom, you remember what he does? He says, the ring is mine. The ring is mine. I shall not do what I came to do. In other words, he's overcome by the, by the evil and temptation. And how, does, how is the ring destroyed? It's not destroyed by Frodo. Right. It's not destroyed by the fellowship. Gollum, this hideous creature, Gollum, bites uh, the ring off of, of Frodo's finger and then falls and slips into the cracks of doom. And that's how the ring is destroyed. And the, the language that Tolkien uses to describe that is, the ring is destroyed by a sudden miraculous grace. A sudden miraculous grace. In other words, the evil that's within us, the evil outside of us, it's too much for us. It'll overcome us. We need help. We need help from the outside. We need a sudden miraculous grace. That's one of the major themes of the story, isn't it? Well, isn't that the gospel? <laughs> isn't that is. a huge part of the gospel message at the end of the day? We need help outside of us, ultimately, to overcome evil. We can't do it on our own, mm. right? Mm -hmm. The hero doesn't do it on his own. He doesn't. He fails. Frodo fails in his quest. He needs grace from the outside to accomplish his quest. What a parallel to all of our lives, just coming from Tolkien. Thank you. That's that's so good. Let's have you pray. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely, Charles. I'm happy to start. If you guys want to wrap up, that'd be great. Okay. All right. Well, Lord God, we thank you for your great grace toward us, your grace in Christ toward us. Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. You're the one who brings us together. You're the one who holds us together. <laughs> and we we, we thank you that you've given us a purpose, a mission larger than ourselves. We, we are grateful for the lives of these two men, J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, how you use them in their own day, and you continue to use them in their writings in our day. And we, we pray that uh, whether it's this Amazon film, whether it's the film that I'm working on, the book project, whatever it is, uh, Lord, that you would use uh, their legacy, their writings to draw people to you, to Christ. To, to the, the desperate need that all of us have for grace, grace outside of us to come and help us and rescue us from our sin and open up the door to life and forgiveness with Jesus. We, we're so grateful for that. Lord, what you did for us, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this ministry, these men. Pray that you would guide their hearts and minds into all truth and integrity. Lead them and guide them in this ministry, God, and may it be a blessing to many. Amen. Amen. Joseph. Lacanti. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program. You're uplifting to my soul. Thank you for being back with us on Haven today. Well, thank you, brothers. Right back at you. I hope to be back again soon. God bless all you do. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. And a special thanks to Dr. Joseph Lacanti for doing this Zoom interview with me in the midst of a busy move and on the eve of an international trip. To learn more about his book, A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War, just go to haventoday.org. You can read a sample and you can get your own copy as our thanks for your gift to Haven Ministries. If you want to hear more conversations like this, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out by leaving a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover more episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris. Thank you.